Well, it gives me privilege to introduce to you uh, Kim Ball. And Kim, why don't you go ahead and come up here and, and, and stand up here as I talk about you for a little bit. And, um, and we are, um, have uh, connections through uh, with our church and Church of the Savior through their senior pastor, Steve Pearson, and others that we know there. And uh, Steve Pearson is someone that I... Uh, like to stay in touch with, and we've used him in men's retreats and other ways, and he actually pastored here in Shelby County many years ago. And so our, our connections go way back, and as I talk about uh, different ministry things and discipleship and praying for our communities uh, and connecting with local pastors, they have a thriving women's ministry there, and they have a thriving uh, discipleship uh, ministry through Bible study. And Kim is right in the middle of that. She is the director of women's ministry at, at Church of the Savior. She's also uh, involved in other teaching ministries where she leads Bible studies and uh, gets to be involved in that and, 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 uh, and keeps quite busy with that. And so uh, she comes highly recommended from people uh, there at Church of the Savior. They know the Martins. They know uh, Rhonda and Bill Seeley and other people that we know and are connected with there. And so it's, it's a real honor to have you, Kim. And so let me pray for you now as, as we, uh, and really pray for us uh, as you uh, teach God's Word. Well, Lord Jesus, we're asking that our, our ears and our eyes be open to you. We're asking, Lord God, that you uh, at this time speak to us through your Word and by your Spirit. Lord, we thank you for Kim uh, coming here today and giving uh, us what you've been giving her. And so, Lord, we say, soften our hearts, and may the seeds of the Word of God be planted and bear much fruit. Bless her and her husband, her family, and uh, in, in all that they do in their ministries as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Thanks. All right, I'm really glad to be here this morning just to be able to share with you We got this right. Okay, now we're set. Okay, just really um, glad to be here, glad to share. Um, it's a day to celebrate Mother's Day and celebrating moms, spiritual moms, sisters, friends, grandparents, great-grandparents, anybody that's poured into the life of another. And so, um, so thankful for that. And the biggest thing that I want us all to be able to take away from this time together is that we're just drawn closer to Jesus as a result of the message today. And so really just been praying and praying and praying and asking other people just to pray for the message that God wants me to share and then for your hearts just to be able to receive what God wants to speak. Um, so just talking about, we're talking about the journey of the Christian life and just the importance of If you turn it on, it works. (laughs) The journey of abiding. And then underneath, I don't know if you can see that, but it says 100% surrender. So I love your message here on the board, all in. That's what Jesus wants, all in. He just doesn't want a little bit. He wants everything. He wants all of your life, all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. That's what we're supposed to love him with. But he wants us to be all in. So as we're looking at that and seeing about the journey and abiding, um, just have a few pictures for you here. And I'll just say yes. No, yes, no, 
Yes. No. Abiding in Christ. What is that? Jesus himself um, in John 15, 4 through 8. If you want to look at that, so John 15, 4 through 8. Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you could do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So Jesus himself calls us to abide in him. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so abiding is basically staying with, dwelling with, spending time with Jesus. That's what he wants. He wants that intimate daily relationship with each of us. Um, And we need to be connected and to be dependent. The branch gets its life and power from the vine. And without that vine, the branch is lifeless, it's powerless, and it's useless. And Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. And so we want to be fruitful in that abiding life. And that's what these pictures were. That's the yeses, the fruitfulness that we can see with the flowers, the bush, the tree. And so the significance of that and helping us to remember that as we're talking and sharing this morning. In honor of Mother's Day, just have a few pictures of my boys. Um, So, isn't it nice of just cuddling with me on the chair? But then this is more like them. Some kind of stunts or something else that we could do uh, for Mother's Day. And that was always a favorite. This is what they most preferred to do. <laughs> and the other things, always something silly. Obviously some kind of climbing on top of mom. Special tricks. Okay, but this is now. <laughs> Nobody's jumping around. I even have a daughter-in-law. We had our son get married, our youngest son get married in November. Um, when they did those silly pictures, I think, I don't know how many times I said, guys, just sit still, sit still, just sit down, just look forward, just so he smiles so you can take a picture. Now those silly, goofy pictures are some of my favorite pictures. Those are the fun times. And so if you're in the middle of those things right now, just enjoy those times. Enjoy those special times together. Okay, now we're going to look at a little bit of real life. You may be on Facebook today. You may be already, you already went on and saw pictures of people with their families. And maybe you felt a little sad or sad when you look at some of these. Well, I'm going to show you a little pictures from my home. And don't be jealous. Don't be sad about yourself or about your home. But we're going to share some of these. Okay, but the way I want to do it, I want to do it as true-false. And so you can see. Okay, the next one. This is where I keep my exercise clothes for the morning. Yes, they're in there somewhere, under the jeans and the bathrobe. Okay? This is preparation for a big dinner. True-false. No, it's getting stuff cleaned out of the refrigerator that even the dog won't come near. (laughs) Okay, a chocolate shelf, waste of space in the refrigerator. Are you kidding me? Ladies, are you with me? (laughs) Okay, this is too much peanut butter. Said me, never. 
this is the minimum. If it's less than this, I'm getting anxious. Okay, these are all actual pictures from our home. Okay, healthy breakfast choices. I think there's some in there. You Don't look too close. I tried to put the healthier ones in the front. Okay, let's move on. This brush needs to go in the trash. Why? The part I need is still there. See? Okay. There must be a party going on. No. Just a lot of options for nights. Having snacks. Okay. I don't grocery shop at these places. True or false? When life is busy and it gets crazy, then sometimes that's where dinner comes from. CVS is at the end of our street where we live, so that's a frequent place. They don't sell many things, but you can make dinner out of it. Okay? Uh, true or false, this is how you use a selfie stick. We're trying to figure that one out. Okay, wow. Is this a vacation picture? Yes. All the way from our driveway. We forgot to take a family picture on vacation, so when we got back home... We gathered in the driveway and took a picture. Okay, this is our family, okay? Maybe you feel better yourself now. Okay, Okay. what about this? This is an interesting story. Last year we remembered to take a picture, but nobody would get out of the car. So we had to take the picture in the car as we were driving away. Okay, so you may see some of these things. Some things matter and some things don't. Some of these silly things, it really doesn't matter. But what's really important is living for Jesus. That's what's significant. That's what we want to remember. And that's what I want to be able to share this morning as we talk and share together. Um, what we're going to do is talk about the importance of living the Christian life and look at three different examples in Scripture. So we're going to look at being wise and peacemaking, also showing hospitality, and also showing extreme love and, and devotion. So we want to start out with the first person we're going to talk about is Abigail. And her story is in 1 Samuel 25. So if you want to turn there, you can. But 1 Samuel 25. So just to let you know a little bit about what's going on right now, David's in the wilderness and he's hiding with his men. He's being chased by Saul. And the chapter right before, um, that's when David and his men were in the cave. Saul comes in. Um, But he doesn't do anything. He says, I'm not going to kill the Lord's anointed. So he doesn't do anything, but his men are still here in the wilderness. So that's kind of what's going on right here. Um, So if we look at uh, 1 Samuel 25, verses 1 through 3. So it says, Now Samuel died, and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David moved on down to the wilderness of Maon. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife Abigail was a sensible and beautiful woman, but Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. So we just see here that David's in the wilderness. Um, Abigail is a beautiful and wise woman, and Nabal is crude and mean. This is just straight from Scripture telling us a little description about them. It now it's sheep shearing time. We know that Nabal is a, is a very wealthy man. It's sheep shearing time. It's a time of celebration. And it says that David and his men have been watching over Nabal's flocks. And so he sends 10 of his men to go see if they would, you know, give some provisions to his men. Uh, Nabal sneers at them. His response is, is mean and nasty. 
He says in verses 10 through 12, this is Nabal speaking after he's been asked, you know, would you have, could you share something um, with David and his men? Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered from my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from no, who comes from no, who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your swords, was David's reply, as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. So there's a mean, nasty response. Um, hospitality in that time was you were expected to meet the needs of people traveling, people that asked for help, um, and he had the means to do it and didn't do it, and not only didn't do it but was mean in the process. So David tells this his men, get your swords, we're going, we're headed out. But one of the servants of Nabal runs to Abigail and says, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. You've got to have some kind of response. And so I love this in uh, verses 18 and 19, we see Abigail's response. And it says, Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, Go on ahead. I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband, Nabal, what she was doing. She, she does a quick response to try to do something in the midst of this very serious situation with David's men coming. So what I want to look at now, it's the verse is 23 to 31. I'm not going to read all those, but just going to pull out just a few things so you look and see a little bit more of Abigail's character in this scenario, in this situation right here. So in verses 23 to 31, it says she, she is traveling. She sees David, so she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She bows low before David. She fell at his feet. I'm just reading. These are straight from Scripture. And she says, please listen to what I have to say. Here is a present. Please forgive me if I've offended you. You are fighting the Lord's battles. When God has made you king, don't let this be a blemish on your record. And so then we see David's response in verses 32. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. So what a response here as a result of what Abigail said. Um, She made a difference. She chose to be wise and to seek peace in this situation, and it did make a difference. And that's, that's really significant. Even when she travels home from this journey, she finds that her husband's having a party and is drunk when she gets home. So she wisely doesn't say anything till the next morning. Then she lets him know everything that happened. As a result, he has a stroke. Ten days later, he dies. 
Um, that's on him. But we're looking at Abigail, and we're looking at the way she responded and the way that she lived, and she was wise and sought to make peace. And so when you're looking back and looking at these scriptures, maybe today, later today or tomorrow, look at what she does and the way she comes humbly and gently um, and just submissively to David in this, in this scenario, in this situation, which could have been so much worse. And what I like to look at is you've got David's request in this whole thing, First Samuel 25, David's request, Nabal's response, mean response. Then you've got the servant's message to Abigail, then Abigail's response, and then you've got Abigail's plea, and then you see David's response. And so then she ends up becoming one of many of David's wives, but then that gets sad, so we'll move on. So let's look at our next woman that we're going to talk. Well, let's see. First, we're going to see what can I do? Because when you look at these situations and think, well, how does that relate to my life? Or what can I do? Or what difference will that make? Or how can I maybe live like Abigail did? Um, You can be a peacemaker. You can speak kindly. You can be helpful. You can watch your words. Nabal didn't watch his. He didn't care. You can look at the needs of others. Do what's right. And respond wisely. And just, I'm calling just a Mother's Day shout out, just things that we're looking, um, any of us who are invested in the lives of others, um, have loving conversations. Listen carefully and then pray about responses before we respond. Guard your tongue. The scripture in James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So our next lady we're going to talk about is the woman from Shunem, called Shunemite woman. This is in 2 Kings 4. There's a whole story related here, but all we're going to talk about is just her hospitality. So if you look at that, it's um, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. And it says, One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. And so I think it's pretty awesome learning about this woman. She noticed a need, she saw a need, and she invited him in for dinner. But what's really nice about that, she went beyond just having him for dinner And she saw what else she was able to do, and it was to offer him a room and to have somebody to build, you know, and have it set up with not only a bed, not only a place to sleep, but also a desk and a lamp as well, and so that he could stop here on his way. When I was looking at one of the commentaries, it said, like, Elisha's hometown was, like, 20 miles to Shunem and then another 25 miles to Mount Carmel, where he might have went to go pray. So then this is kind of like a halfway point. And I don't know if anybody's ever read the book, Hiking Through. It's by Paul Stutzman. My father-in-law was reading it, and he told us to read it. It was a really awesome book. A man um, who had lost his wife and then went hiking on the Appalachian Trail. But what was neat about that is he talked about different Christians that lived along the trail, and they still do this right now, and they will give meals to people that are hikers. They'll wash their boots. They'll do laundry for them. They'll give them rides into town. They'll give them food. Um, They have conversation with them. They try to connect with them. But they do what they can because they're on the Appalachian Trail. And I thought that's totally awesome. We don't live on the Appalachian Trail, but what can we do? You know, how can we make a difference? Um, We can pray about how to help, how we can help. 
We can notice people and notice their needs. That's what's really neat about the Shunammite woman. She noticed him and invited him in for a meal. And then she said, I think this is a holy man of God. Let's see if we can build a room for him and he'll have a place to stay when he comes, when he travels this way. Invite others over or invite others out. Meet practical needs. Make it a habit and keep helping. I heard of one. It was just a friend um, that wanted me to meet just a, a good friend of hers that was just kind of doing some different ministry. And I still remember something that she said that she did. She said that she made dinner for the pastor and his family. And every Sunday night, she would just meet the family behind the church, hand them the food, and go home. She didn't announce it. She didn't walk in and say, hey, everybody, I'm making food for the pastor. You know, she just did it, and she did it for years. And so... It really is meant a lot just to hear that is she she found something that she could do and it helped the fa- it helped the pastor's family you know because it was you know after a long day a long day of preaching teaching um, but what can we do how can we do those same things and the woman from Shunem she did that she saw a need that she could reach out and she could meet and we can do that but we look and see and we ask God to give us those needs and so we can know how we can reach out our Mother's Day shout out um, make mealtime special. You can make that something special. Um, celebrate significant days and events. Notice what's unique in each child, little or grown. Pray about how to help and how to come alongside. And just even from that uh, passage we were reading earlier in Psalm 139, one of my favorite, favorite passages, but I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, so we want to look at those needs, look for those needs we can find. Um, I'll just give you two other scriptures if you want to write those down about hospitality. Is Hebrews 13.2, and it just says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. So see what we can do. See how we can respond. Hebrews 13.2. And also, um, 1 Peter 4.9, and it's cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. It's another great Wisdom from Scripture. Okay. The last person we're going to look at is Mary of Bethany. And she's an example of extravagant, poured out love. And we're going to see um, three different instances of her in Scripture and how she lived. Um, In the busyness, in her great sorrow, and just for her love um, and deep adoration for her Savior and Lord. So in the busyness, we'll look at Luke chapter 10, and that may be one that a lot of us have have read and known about with Mary and Martha. Like, oh gosh, yes, I'm like Martha. But Luke 10, 38 to 42, and it says, As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the dinner plans, by the dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. I love seeing this example, and I think a lot of us may say, well, I'm kind of like Martha. I kind of get busy and kind of get going and doing things. But in this instance, in this instance, the greater thing to do was to listen to Jesus teach. You know, Jesus was in their home, and he was teaching. Why would you want to do anything else than to sit at his feet? And that's where Mary was at. 
And that's what she did. That's what she chose to sit at his feet. And I think that's significant for us too because when Martha comes to Jesus, she didn't tell her sister to come help her. She comes to Jesus, make my sister help me. I got three sisters. That sounds like a sister thing that we would all say. Uh, Make her help me. But Jesus says, no, Mary's chosen what's better and it's not going to be taken from her. And that's significant for us to remember. And when Jesus is speaking, all else is secondary. Do you remember at the Mount, Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John are all there, and then Peter speaks up and says, Oh, Lord, maybe we should build a temp, uh, you know, shelters for all you guys. God speaks even while Peter is still speaking because God doesn't wait for Peter to get done talking. You know, he speaks and he, you know, so if Jesus is speaking, what we, our response just needs to be is sit still and listen. Listen to what he has to say. Okay, so there's one example. In a time of great busyness, that's where Mary is um, at Jesus' feet. Okay, now we're going to look in John chapter 11. And this is the story. It tells about Lazarus dying. And in John chapter 10 is when Jesus is talking about he's the great shepherd. Even in this time, too, um, there are people who want to stone Jesus and want to arrest him in this chapter. So then Jesus goes off, and then they're uh, ministering to people, baptizing people. And then word comes that Lazarus is sick, and he's like, I'm not, he, he's not going to go. They think that Lazarus is just sick. And he's like, okay, Lazarus died, and for your sakes, I'm glad we weren't there. You know, so he's going to go back. Um, the disciples were even frightened because, you know, they wanted to kill you. And he's going back to Bethany, which is a couple of miles from Jerusalem. So the, just knowing some of the history in the background, whenever you're reading Scripture, look what's happening right before. Look what's happening after, not just the tiny little um, Scripture that you might be looking at, but look at what all's going on around then. But if we're looking at John chapter 11, Martha comes out to meet Jesus first when he comes. And she's like, Lord, if you were only here, our brother wouldn't die, wouldn't have died. You know, but Jesus tells her then, I'm the resurrection and the life. She believes that Jesus is the Messiah. So you're seeing Martha's faith here. But now we're going to look and see Mary when she comes to hear to, to see Jesus. Okay. So in verse 25, that's where Jesus is, t- is telling Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. And this is in John chapter 11. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who believes in me and believe, who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who's come into the world from God. Okay, then starting verse 28, then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were in the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. So notice the posture of Mary yet again. She's at his feet. When he's teaching in the house during the dinner, she's at his feet listening to his teaching. Now she's pouring her heart out. And I think it's significant, too, when Martha talks to Jesus It's kind of Martha and Jesus. But remember, it says the mourners thought Mary was going to the grave, so they came out too. So there's a crowd. She doesn't care. She pours herself out at Jesus' feet in her great sorrow. And so we look at that, and so we see yet again, she comes to Jesus, and she's, she's coming at his feet. So the last one is just the next chapter over in John chapter 12. And so there's a feast going on here. This is near the time of Jesus' death. Uh, But John chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. 
Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So here we see Mary again in total abandon, opening up, cracking open this, this perfume, pouring it out, and we see that it's worth a year's wages. It's a, a huge... Um, gift that she's given to Jesus. And this story is written in two other gospels as well. And there's indignation with the people that are like seeing it like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's doing this. Yet again, she's not caring what other people are are saying around her. Scripture doesn't say she stopped and said, oh, I shouldn't have done this. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I did this. Maybe we could scoop it up. She pours out her gift to Jesus. And where is she at again? You can't wipe Jesus' feet with your hair if you're standing up. She's at his feet again. So every time Mary of Bethany is listed in Scripture, all three times she's at his feet. And we've seen two times that, well, she's at his feet when he's teaching, but she's also in her great sorrow and now in her poured out love for him. And I think that's just significant for us to remember, just come and fall at his feet. And you may be dealing with a difficulty or a hardship or a trial or something else, Come to Jesus and just come to him and just bow yourself at his feet. He will help. Um, I love the, um, there's a quote, it was a Bible commentator gave, and it said, it's important to serve the Lord and serve others, but it's even more important to delight your Lord by spending time with him. Are you so busy serving him that you have no time to love him and listen to him? So we think of when we're looking at Mary's life and how can, what can we do? Uh, we can be devoted ourselves and pouring ourselves out in love. Give Jesus our best. Sit at his feet. Spend time with him. Love Jesus and follow him wherever he leads. Love the scripture, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, where Jesus himself says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Mary gives us a great example of that. She loved him fully, and she didn't care who saw it. And so, we want to look at um, although our mothers say shout out, love Jesus well, ourselves, teach your kids all about Jesus, teach everyone you know about Jesus, show others what a relationship with Jesus looks like when they're watching you and they're seeing what you're doing. Show them what a relationship with him looks like. Just kind of want to summarize, like our Christian life, it's a journey. There's some uphills, some downhills. It may seem like it's all uphill. And still uphill. But you celebrate those mountaintop highs. Celebrate when you're, at, when, when you're having those things. Praise God for those times um, that you give thanks for. Remember the simple pleasures. Oh, there's the peanut butter. It even made it to the Appalachian Trail. So have those things. Those things that are just those simple pleasures that you can enjoy. Take time out to rest. Get rest as you need to. I love one of my favorite scriptures is when the disciples come back to Jesus and it says so many people are coming and going. And Jesus says, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. 
And what I love about that is because Jesus doesn't say, hey, you guys go rest because you're busy. He says, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. He knows when we need rest. Go together. Go together. Stay in fellowship. Stay in home groups. Stay connected. Be with one another. Um, Don't try to do it on your own. God is there even in the scary times, even in those difficult times when you don't know how you're going to go through. Just keep sticking with him. And a few things for us to remember just here as, as, we, as we finish up, but love this, God will go with you. This verse in Joshua 1.9 is one of my favorite. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I've just finished reading a missionary story about a man who was traveling through Papua New Guinea, and he was going through, and he almost died. It was really horrendous conditions. And he kept repeating this verse to himself over and over and over. The Lord will be with you wherever you go. The Lord will be with you. The Lord's with me. The Lord's with me. The Lord's with me. Um, and he was trusting the Lord in this difficult place. Um, so what we want to remember is don't run ahead. Don't run ahead. I love running. I love running, and I, but... And God's told me so many times, Kim, you can't run until I've actually told you where to go. But it's like, I just want to run. I just want to go like crazy. He's like, but I've got to tell you first. Then you run. So wait for God to say what he wants you to do. Then you go forward. And this, I love, I uh, found a poem once. Uh, Robert and I were at a bed and breakfast uh, for our anniversary. And it was just a poem called Pedal. And it talked about a bicycle bill for two, a tandem bike, that Jesus is supposed to be in that front seat. That's where he's supposed to be. And if you've ever ridden a tandem bike, the steering wheel in the front turns. You can move and and steer the bike. The one in the back can't. You can't steer at all. But a lot of times we may have Jesus in that second seat just saying, thanks for riding along with me, Jesus, as I travel on down the road. He's supposed to be in the front seat. So he steers. He guides. He leads where we're going to be going. And we just stay connected with him. And if you realize, oops, I'm in the front seat again, we'll just jump back and get back in the back seat and put and let Jesus come back to where he needs to be. Okay, so just have a few uh, scriptures that I just wanted to share with you. Just as we close, wait for God to give you directions. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Isaiah 30, 21. One of my all-time favorite verses, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 Let us run with endurance the race God set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And before you get too stressed or anxious, thinking, how am I going to do this? Remember the secret. Christ lives in you. He lives in you. The Holy Spirit will give you the guidance, direction. He will help us. He will encourage us. He will strengthen us. He will lead us in whatever he calls us to do. And remember the, the pictures that I showed at the beginning. This is not attached. There's no fruit here. It's dried up. It's withered. There's, we can't do anything with it except burn it in the, in the fire. So there's a difference there. That fruitful, The fruitfulness of the tree, those branches that are still attached, and then the dead ones there. As we think about abiding in the vine, remember the verse that Jesus says in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. One of my favorites, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. He will direct your path. 
Jesus himself says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So this is our last one. The last thing, just follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. When he calls people to commitment, he says, if any of you want to be my follower, you give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and you follow me. And so what I want to leave with just as we finish, and I'll pray um, for us too, is when you think about the disciples and you think about their life and the Gospels tell the good, bad, and the ugly about all of them, but when they messed up, when they couldn't figure it out, when they didn't understand, what did Jesus do? What was his response? He kept loving them and he kept teaching them. He didn't leave them. He didn't walk away from them. He was there for them. And so that's what we want to remember is just follow Jesus. Just spend time with him. He'll give you the guidance. He'll give you the direction as you live your Christian life for him, as you seek to serve your family and serve your the, the neighbors, the people you work with. Uh, but you just keep following Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you lead the way. We thank you for your deep love for us. We thank you that you never give up on us, that you keep loving us, you keep teaching us. And we can remember, the Lord is with me wherever I go. The Lord is with me wherever I go. We thank you for that and we'll trust it. We just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word and the lessons we can learn from those that are following you in your word. Help us have the devotion of Mary. Help us to always remember to sit at your feet, to fall at your feet, to cry out, to call out to you, and to listen to your words. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, and we'll trust you. We'll walk with you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask the altar ministry teams to come on down and make yourself available here for prayer. Uh, we're going to go ahead and sing part of a one more song. And I'd like to uh, also pray a prayer of salvation anyone here or online listening this morning or later on uh, this week or some other time to pray a prayer if you, if you are sensing I want that relationship with God I, I feel far from God and I don't want to feel that way anymore today is a day that I want to step into a, a relationship with Jesus Christ that's where your heart is where your thinking is, I want to say a prayer and, and ask everybody just to join in with me and to say a prayer that would begin that relationship with Jesus Christ or restore that relationship with Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, everybody say after me please, Dear Jesus, I need you and I want you into my heart. Come and live inside me by your Spirit. I turn away from my sins. And I turned to you. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose from the dead. I need your life in me. Come inside me and live here for now and forever.
I am your child now. Now and forever. If you prayed that prayer here or online, please tell somebody. We want to pray for you some more. We want to connect with you. We actually have uh, online a phone number you can call for the next 30 minutes on Sunday morning. And you can call that for any prayer need that's in your life. Our altar ministry teams, they're here on the side, available for anything going on in your life. Perhaps you have a, a health issue or a financial issue or something that just keeps bothering you and worrying you. We want to pray for you. I'm going to ask Kim and her husband to be down here as well and be available for prayer. Let us stand. Let's sing this last song together, and then I'll dismiss you as well. You can come down for prayer now or later, just anytime we're available for prayer in your life. In my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. That my sin not impart, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I pay.